stay fly. Stay so fly. they're not being taught what a totem pole was. And they're, they're the same. That the Indian chiefs, the different feathers and different birds in their head, they're not taught that stuff. They're not taught the spirituality of who of who they worship here. Uh, a, a Hopi deity, then the sun. They had a sun god over here also. They had a sun god on both both parts of the land. So, they, so they're not taught as much as they're being taught about our brothers and sisters in Africa. They need to be taught exactly. about over and over. You're listening to the Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Ernie Thomas here on the Bold School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Vonner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. Peace, beloved. Peace, beloved. Peace, beloved. Ooh, it's Seiko Varner back with another episode of the Fly Guy Show, which is a series of melanated conversations to improve our situation. I want to give thanks to the uh, protesters. I want to give thanks to those who are involved in our civic action. The needle is moved. The needle has moved. Tonight, we're going to deal with part two of the Indian problem. And I shared with you that I find this topic pretty intriguing because, you know, as a person of African and quote unquote Native American descent, uh, particularly from the Cherokee culture, um, I've always found it intriguing with the variance in quote unquote Indian culture and Indian people, how certain portions get pushed to the side and, uh, Growing up, when I went to some of the powwows and other events, um, I was kind of pushed to the side. And, you know, I even had a couple of, uh, you know, family members who identify solely as Indian say, unless you totally, you know, do not connect yourself with your African heritage, there's nothing we got for you. You can't hang with us. And I know that wasn't the entirety of the group, but I did have that experience and I found it intriguing. Brother... Frederick Jones L. from the Morris Science Temple of America has some great information that deals with the Indian problem. And he shared with us in part one, and he's going to continue in part two. So back on the platform, back on the Fly Guy show, a friend of the show, a teacher of the show, a scientist of the show, our Fly Guy researcher. Let's give it up and bring it on for Frederick Jones L. What's up, good brother? How you doing? Peace. Peace, brother. What's going on? Thanks for having me again, you know? I'm delighted. So, Ashe, I'm going to fall back. I'm not going to say anything for a little while. And I'm going to let you do the teaching, brother. So uh, everything is in your creative direction. Everything is in your introspective direction of hands, your informative direction of hands. Take it over, good brother. Ladies and gentlemen, the information of Frederick Jones L. Indeed, true indeed. Peace, peace, brother. Again, uh, our gratitude. I'm delighted. Uh, I'm grateful uh, even to be on this platform to uh, share information with our people, to um, wake us up from out of our degraded state, including myself, including me, right? I got a lower self too. I got things that need to be 
cleaned up, so to speak. Um, I have life sums that need to be worked out. I have a lower self. We all have a high and a low. So this information is is even for me too, all right? Uh, so I rise and I give praise um, to the divine presence, the divine force in the universe, all right, which is one with yourself, you know, which is one with man, all right? And we give honors to where honors are due. We give honors to all of the redeemers in the community. Um, again, we give honors to where honors are due. And I give honors uh, to Brother Sekou for even, have, for even having me on the platform. And I give uh, honors to everybody involved with the the uh, meeting. All right. Uh, yeah. So here in part two, what I wanted to touch on rather was was things that I left out in part one. All right. Uh, so one of the things that I left out in part one of the Indian problem. All right. Which I believe the first one was titled the Indian problem. Um so-called red Indians practice segregation and birthright theft uh, on our people, on so-called Negroes, Blacks, Coloreds, and African-Americans of the Americas. I'm paraphrasing. That's not the exact title, but that's in a roundabout way what the title was. So uh, So what I left out of part one was I forgot to mention that um was that the the in the year 1906 the Pamunkey Nation they kind of put a clause in the 1979 Constitution where they made it that in order for you to be a recognized member of the tribe you had to have some standing with the 1906 census all right so these are some of the things that they were doing uh, in ways to to disenfranchise our people, you see. So um, yeah, so that was one of the things that I left out, and also another thing was the book, the book on the Moors and the Nancy Coast of Delaware. I, I believe the name of the book is The Forgotten People. So that right. kind of gets into. Um, you know, things that are more along the lines of Moorish or rather that's a work that shows Moors documented in history. But I guess we'll come back to that because I didn't want to to skip over. So, um, so in 1979, the Pamunkey Nation came with a new tribal constitution and then they just stated that you had to have some standing with the the census rolls of 1906 in order for you to be recognized as a lawful member of the Pamunkey Nation. So, yeah. So, that's one thing. So, uh, so I'm not sure if you wanted to touch in on that or if we wanted to you know, to kind yeah, of get I, I do think that's intriguing. I do think that's intriguing, particularly because I live in the Hampton Roads, Virginia area. 7572 up two down VA and the Pamunkey Nation is working to bring a casino here to the Hampton Roads area 
And interestingly right. enough, when I first heard about it, I said, yeah, man, that sounds great. They would bring some jobs here, particularly to Norfolk. The area that they're looking to revitalize is the area that could benefit from revitalization. That area that they're looking to revitalize is close to some of the lower income areas where many of our people reside. So it could provide some jobs and some income and some opportunities that are not currently there. So I thought it was initially interesting. And then I started hearing something's wrong. Something's sure. wrong. And it's that something wrong piece is where I want to kind of go today with part two. So in part one, you did go over some of the challenges that were happening. You went over the uh, dolls rolls and, and how uh, the five dollar Indians are now preventing. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the Indian problem, American Indians do birthright theft and institutional racism on so-called blacks. You know, we, we talked yeah. about the tribes that were doing that and I'd like to go a little deeper now because you're a person of the more science temple yeah and I know that in that book that you talked about there was some great information that you really yeah. wanted to highlight it was um let me see Delaware's forgotten folk the Moors and the Nanticokes by CA Wesler all right so Tell me a little more about that, because I've often heard people involved in more science and Morris information uh, use the term Morris when it dealt with so-called Native American groups as well. You know, so I was, of course, aware that we use that time when we dealt with people of African descent, commonly called black people, uh, as you say, Negro, black, colored. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But it was intriguing to me, even though I know that many of us who are so-called so blacks do have some level of African, I mean, of Native American ancestry to hear the term more applied to the Native Americans or the black Indians, whatever term you want to use um, was kind of intriguing to me. So maybe you can give me a little context in that area before you go into Delaware's Forgotten Folk. So give me some background information to understand what Delaware's Forgotten Folk deals with. Yeah, true indeed. But let me correct myself because I made a mistake. Uh, in 1979, the Pamunkey Nation came with a new tribal constitution. So they didn't uh, make additions to an existing one. They came with an entirely new tribal constitution where they said that citizenship parameters would be based on the 1906 Dawes Rules. And of course, they did that because they knew that the whole Dawes Act situation was a way that they could get around I guess recognizing our people as citizen as citizens of various uh, uh, so-called Indian tribes. All right, so, so do you just, think it was intentional? It was, it was intentional? You believe it was truly intentional? Absolutely. A absolutely. I know it was intentional. And every time they come up with new parameters it's it's solely to disenfranchise those who they don't recognize as being one of their own. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so to your... Yeah, go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. No, I'm just, I'm just kind of blown away um, when family members shun other family members. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we know the whole Dawes Act had to do with them 
I guess, taking what they called Indian lands and putting it into a trust. All right. The United States government will put it into a trust and they will kind of be the ruling uh, body over the land through an entity called the BIA, which is the Borough of Indian Affairs. And then the Indians would have like a tract of land instead of what the settlers said, them just roaming wild across the land and not having any boundaries or any parameters. So they would set up a tract of land, what we know is a reservation today. And they put it in a trust. And then, you know, from there they would, they would, I guess, take care of it as trustee over the land with the various so-called Indian tribes having some type of sovereignty, I guess, because they say uh, Indian reservations are sovereign land, but sovereign land in what way, right? So, uh, yeah, so this is what the whole Dawes Act was about, uh, divvying up different tracts of land so that there's no confusion between the so-called white settlers and the Indians. Then it also dealt with them wanting to to move the Indians west. So so it had to do with uh, with the Indian Removal Act, I guess. All right, dealing with that and the whole Trail of Tears deal. So just kind of just kind of well, placing we, them in an area so that Yeah, go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So give a little context on the Trail of Tears. Because I know no. num- numerous people have used that term. A lot of us, you know, a lot of us in the conscious community are familiar with it. But um and brother Jacoby Ponder, another one of your uh, MST brothers, um, talked about the Homestead Act. So hopefully we can get involved in the Homestead Act. I might actually yeah. invite brother Ponder to join the join the conversation. This brother is yeah. uh, definitely like minded. So you've worked with him before. But tell us a little bit about the Trail of Tears, so that we yeah. have some context. True. True. So the Trail of Tears, if I'm not mistaken, is during the president of Andrew of Andrew Jackson. And what they wanted to do was uh, prior to, I want to say the mid 18th century, uh, King John III of England told the settlers that they couldn't settle land west of the Appalachian Mountains. And they would have to have royal charters to do such. But royal charters had to be sanctioned by the various native peoples. Like there had to be some type of diplomacy back and forth. So initially, the United States was just the 13 colonies east of the Appalachian Mountains. So the whole Trail of Tears situation, which came to fruition about 90 years later, changed the boundaries. So it moved the native peoples further west so that new settlers so that new settlers coming could have that land that the Indians or so-called Indians just moved west from. So it just had to do with them being removed to what they deemed as no man as no man's land. Like if you get old maps and west of the Mississippi, maybe, maybe, maybe west of Pennsylvania would be like no man's land. And then it wasn't the United States. And then we know during the 19th century with the whole westward expansion, this is when they started to march from sea to shining sea, right? So yeah, yeah. And Atuta Moore's and Nancy Koch's uh, question, 
what's interesting about uh, some of that history, dealing with the Moors of Delaware, a Cheswold, Delaware, is in their folklore, they say that they came from the Iberian Peninsula in North West Africa during the age of colonization. And they amalgamated with the uh, Nancy Cokes. You know, they amalgamated with what they call the Delaware Indians or the Indians of the Delaware Basin, which is the whole Delaware Valley going all the way down to the Chesapeake. And, um, and let me say this about the term Indian. We know Indian is a misnomer given to native peoples here in the Americas by European explorers, because when they reach the Caribbean and ultimately the mainland, they thought they had reached India. So they called the people Indians and it just kind of stuck, but it's definitely a misnomer. And um, the reason that they thought, see, here's another thing. They thought all melanated peoples was either Moors or Indians because the only interaction that they had with melanated individuals during that time was with, was with Moors on the other side of the Mediterranean with North African, who they call North African Berbers and peoples of the Indies. Because remember, they went to India via land caravan uh, with Marco Polo and all of that, which Marco Polo was one of Christopher Columbus's heroes. And Marco Polo was an Italian from Genoa, Italy, just like Columbus was an Italian from Genoa, Italy before he uh, wound up in the early Portuguese slave trade and then ultimately sailing for Spain in the Roman Catholic Church. But anyway, their, um, their only contact with uh, uh, darker peoples was with the, the uh, what they called the Silk Road trade, if I'm saying it correctly, to India and then Moors of North Africa. So whenever they seen a dark-skinned person anywhere they sailed, they called them by two names. Uh, Moors or Indians and sometimes they use the term Moro Indian and they did that in the Philippines and uh, there's a work to get by an author I think his name is James Arnold the work is called The Moral War and it just gets into the United States fighting with the Moors in the Philippines and this was turn of the 20th century yeah but back to the nanny coats um, so the Moors of Delaware in their folklore they say this is how they came to be you know they amalgamated with the who they call indians in the new world they came from the iberian peninsula in north africa and then they got here and um what's interesting about that and i'm gonna touch on something that i touched on in my debate with young pharaoh when he was saying well how can the moors say that they over here in america but but and say that they was in africa you can't be over here and then be over there. This is what he was saying. But when you see who Columbus's navigators were on his flagship, the Santa Maria, and on the Nina and the Penta, uh, two brothers by the name of, of the Pazone brothers, they were Moors who had capitulated and fell to the Spanish crown. So the reason that he would have Moors with them is because the Moors knew the trade routes. And this is exactly what the first chapter of that book is talking about, of um, uh, Delaware's Forgotten Folk. It's telling you how they got here. So they knew the trade routes. So yeah. in order to be on both sides, you have to know the trade routes. Go ahead, brother. So. 
Yeah, I was gonna say as I was coming up in uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and going to study groups and the consciousness community that I was involved in there as a uh, you know middle schooler and high schooler. You know, we were taught that some of the navigators that helped create the maps that you know Christopher Columbus um, used were Moorish, and he actually had some on 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 some one of the ships um as well so uh and you know some of the documents that we read at that time said that those moors when they saw mother melanated people use the term that they use for themselves to describe right. the other people that they saw and so yeah we that's that's great information and i also think that j.a rogers book i can't remember which book it details yeah. some of that information as well um, so, but continue. So, Delaware's Forgotten Folk: The Story of the Mar, the Moors, and Nanticokes. Yes. Yes. So, um, yes. You uh, went quiet on me, brother. You went quiet on me. You went quiet on me. I'm not sure what happened. That happened before, but that's okay. Um, see if you can unmute yourself. How about and, now? Is it, is it good now? We're good. We're good. Okay. All right. Good deal. So, yeah. Um, so, back to uh, Columbus and the European explorers who we commonly know as white people today. Another thing is they thought that outside of Europe and Africa, the rest of the world was Indian. They didn't know that it was different lands. So this is another reason why you find him referring to natives of the Philippines as the Moros or Moro Indians. Uh, they'll refer to different groups in the Pacific as Indians. Of course, on this land, um, you know, they called the people Indians and that's because they thought everywhere else was India. And I find that interesting because this is what Columbus was saying in his diaries. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, it's intriguing also to note that the term more could have been easily applied to the people in the Philippines because the first people in the Philippines were the Twa people. And there you the go. Twa or the Twa or the uh, Agopa people are short people. They're dark skinned people. They have afros. And if you look at them, it's really obvious. And they're still there. They're still there in some of the areas of the Philippines. A lot of my friends who are Filipino, uh, shout out to the Flip Squad, you know, they often talk about, yeah, we know that the first people in the Philippines were black people, were African yeah. people. And um, I want to salute the brother, of the Minister of Information, who decided he wanted to pop on and join us. Yeah. I said, hey, brother, yeah, what's up, beloved? Peace. Join on? Peace. Come on, brother. Peace, brother. Come you on, guys brother. Have some great, I love some great conversation, man. Great conversation. All right. Good. So, Frederick, yeah. this is still your talk. And uh, Ponder, feel free to jump in as you please, as you see fit. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, the morals of the Philippines, which we know that the Philippines was named after King Philip of Spain, if I'm not mistaken, King Philip the second so yeah um yeah but melanated peoples in the philippines today they refer to them as negros oriental so so, so that's that spanish negro so negro 
But the reality of it is, yeah. But we're we're the original man of the planet is our people, and that's a fact. And the European called them by many different names when he started to explore the planet, which gives the illusion that all of these are different peoples, but we're not. And then I guess through time, through the separation, we adopted uh, different customs, but the culture is one. But yeah, but back to this European and his misnomers. Um, Again, he called this land India. Then when they found out it wasn't India, they started calling it India of the West or the West Indies. And our people in the Caribbean say they West Indian, and some don't really know where that come from. Some do. <laughs> All right. So um, some do. Some do. Yeah. So that happened, and uh, so getting into the first chapter of the book, Delaware's Forgotten Folk. Um, the first chapter is titled uh, "Red, White, and Black." Is that correct? Red, white, and black. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. I'm scrolling through now. Uh, yeah, the first chapter is red, white, and black. Second, yeah. the mysterious more. So, um, brother Ponder, are you familiar with this book? No, I'm the first time. The first time hearing about it. Okay, 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 okay. So, um, yeah, the book is called Delaware's Forgotten Folk: The Story of the Moors and the Nanticokes. So. Um, why did you find so much so much um, importance in the title Red, White, and Black, Brother Jones L? Why is that important? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. So that title is interesting because uh, well, reading the reading that chapter and then uh, just absorbing what the title means, and I felt that essentially what the author was saying there, is he's talking about the Colombian exchange, I guess. He's talking about the melting pot of cultures. Even though he is saying that the so-called Indian is a red man and that the African is black and he's white, you already know we don't subscribe to that psychology. But for sake of argument, what he's talking about is the different cultures, I guess, intermingling, you know, bringing this these uh, sharing diseases, uh, uh, different natural resources, crops here that the Europe that the European had never encountered, and vice versa. Um, the European taking tobacco back to England, and then them bringing things from Europe to the New World, like guns and and introducing horses and, and things of that. So it's just talking about the Colombian exchange. Interesting. So, Interesting. Yeah. Brother Ponder, what do you know about the first uh, Moors that resided in the area that we now call North America? Um, well, we, like like the, the brother was saying, when it come down to just using the language itself, you know, the term itself will only go back so far. And before you have to switch the language up and call it something else. So I would ask people to just subscribe to um, it's a book by uh, Dr. Ivan Vesterdema called They Came Before Columbus. And he focuses a little bit more on the Olmec um, civilization. And we're talking about AM 
because you have BC, you have AD. This is AM. This is prehistoric time, and you get into the Mississippian culture. Um, once you go back that far, they were called Moors. M U U R. Um, and of course, we know that the designated language from uh, Portuguese to Spanish, uh, Negro or Black or Black or Moor, the terms just changed. What's important that the brother pointed out earlier is these were the same people prior to the word being invented. And that's why, you know, in the Moor Science Temple, you have to become a, a mastermind. And once you understand the words and the language and the context and what's called the exonyms and endonyms, you can come out of the station or, or, the, or the romantical story of these mighty warriors called warriors who ruled this area, ruled the area. And you understand that it's we everywhere. Yeah. We're, we're all over. We have brothers and sisters right now in, in Mexico. Let me, let me say it the right way. El Mexico. Um, that's um, that uh, know their moors and where their fezes. We have brothers down in our Rio Re, Re, Re de Janeiro. Let me say it the right way. Rio Day. Down in Rio Day, they know their moors. <laughs> so they know the stage know. just been shot. Yeah, the stage has just been shot under this English. English language is an equivocal language anyway. And I tell the brothers and sisters anytime we get into a, a conversation or a debate or whatever the case is, we say stop playing semantics. When none of us are Sumerians, we are Phoenicians. <laughs> so we're playing all phonetics. It's the phonetics, not the semantics. It's the mm. pheno. It is the, the the enunciation of the word itself when we get into language. So um, I now, I don't even concentrate that much on trying to convince people that, you know, the Moors from 7-Eleven somehow magically came over and had land in 1887. Um, I just quit trying to draw that bridge because, see, black people, history starts with the first slave ship. Yeah. They don't go back across Atlantic ever other than romanticizing about Africa. They don't ever go back across the Atlantic. You know, uh, mentally, they, they have been brought out of Africa, given given the narrative of slavery, given, given the narrative of um, Lincoln freeing them, then uh, Martin Luther King, and then Obama. Like, that's that's the black history. So when you try to take the black mm-hmm. mind back beyond a certain point, even with the word more itself, um, it's unfoundable. They can't do it. They're unable to obtain, absorb information back beyond uh, you wasn't always called black. Black, nigger, and color were titles given to you by slaveholders. That's right. What were you talking before then? They don't know about the Treaty of Fisherman Peace. I had a friend real quick. I had a friend last night. They're both retired Marines, and they wanted to debate me on the phone last night about Moors, this, more that. And I said, could you guys sing a piece of your alma mater? And they said, what you mean? <laughs> the Navy and Marine Corps alma mater says, here's where it says. The old Zuma. Yeah, come on now. Yeah, from the, the triple, 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 triple A, the triple A. Exactly. And she said, "I had no idea." I said, "That's it. <laughs> they're, they're saying it about it. <laughs> That's <laughs> the story, right? That was a great last stronghold, you know. And I showed them the Treaty of Friendship and Peace. You know, I, I showed them the documentations, even where the Constitution said that all treaties must be treaties are actually law and land. Treaties are above the Constitution. That's right, Article Six. That's right. That's right. Even when I show them that information, they still, you know, tussle with it, brother. So. I don't know, man. I, I don't know, but well, the brother's putting right knowledge, though. And and when he he, he mentioned the Moors up by Delaware. Part of those Moors there were uh, part of what was called the Wompag tribe up near yeah. Delaware, parts of Boston. And then you have to come over to the Ohio River Basin. Also, you had a group of Moors who were there 
up until about 18, uh, 1892, Margaret Singer ran them off. Margaret Singer had classified them as uh, feeble-minded, and that's when eugenics had started from the American Birth Control League until the 1900s. Got you, yeah. got you. The title for tonight's conversation, the title for tonight's build is The Indian Problem Part 2. And so the crux of the matter is we're dealing with uh, three so-called recognized Native American Indian tribes who have removed some of their people from their birthright just before they're able to get some resources from the federal government. And uh, Brother Frederick Jones L. is doing an excellent job of showing us how this is happening. He's shown us a lot of cases. He's given us the receipts. And I say with part two, I definitely want to know. We, look, part one, you gave the receipts. You showed where the theft was happening. How do you think we can ensure that our people maintain what we are rightfully connected to? Those of us who are rightfully connected to it. Uh, gotcha. so, go ahead. So, uh, yeah. Well, before I get into that, I wanted to say that a brother Ponder is right on point when he brought up uh, Ivan Van Sertima's work that came before Columbus. Right on point, brother. And that's exactly where I was going to go next. And um, the stone heads that was found that they called the Olmec civilization down in La Venta, Mexico, I believe that's what it's called. They was wearing yeah. headdresses with tassels on them. Right. And, uh, and, um, and they also had braids. Yeah, they also had braids, yeah. <laughs> so this yeah. is Venta, Mexico. Uh, this is Matamoros. And Matamoros means killer of the Moors. They killed the Moors. Mata mm. to kill, Moros, more. So their whole culture, when they got here to the New World, was about defeating who was in power in the Old World. See, Old World, New World. Old World to them is um, the Moors in rulership. New World is the start of them being in power. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, but modern Moros means killer the Moors. Um even in Columbus's diaries, he's not calling Spain Spain. He's calling it Al Andalus or Al Andalusian, which yeah. is the name that our ancestors gave the land. But to answer your question, dear brother, the way that we can retain our illustrious past and history is just to to keep passing the information down. You know, doing the knowledge to things, unlocking the secrets, knowing what was done, so that we can know how to counter it. Uh, being unified with one another. And then it's also about delivery because some Moors are hard on our people. And mm. I think it's about wanting to take the information and unify us with it and not be, you know, sometimes I notice in the conscious community, period, not just with Moors, but period. And I even have found myself doing this when I was young in the knowledge. Sometimes your ego takes over your passion takes over and you don't even know it and it's causing division so i just think delivery uh unlocking the keys sharing it and just being dedicated to it so yeah yeah i, I wanted to uh i say that or camel walk it <laughs> uh yeah. i find that when somebody comes into something that uplifts them it might mm -hmm. be a new diet 
It might be a new understanding of the creator. It might be new information that changes their narrative. They become very evangelistic. So, <laughs> you know, all right. And so in being very evangelistic, a lot of times they try to tear down other people in, a, in an attempt to get them to walk their way. So you'll find now with evangelical Christians, you'll find now with people who've just, um, you know, did their shahada and become involved in Islam. Uh, I remember I used to deal with a lot of my brothers who were, you know, newborns in the 5% nation. And of course, they couldn't tell I was, uh, you know, I was involved with the thought. So, you know, they tried to, you know, tear me down and stuff like that. And of course, you know, we would build and destroy with each other. But my point is, yeah, I agree that in the way that we present the information, it needs to be done in a way that edifies, you know, it edifies, creates an edification, creates a building. Yeah. Uh, because too many of us go the, you know, the derogatory, destructive route. And what, what, being involved in the Baptist community, I've gotten it from a lot of different sides, but everybody hasn't had that benefit before. Brother Ponder, I know you what wanted to say something. Question. See, yeah. And I had this conversation before, right? With some brothers. I said, look, man, we ain't got but eight more days. <laughs> we got a very short time <laughs> to get this shit together. So now we have to teach y'all straight out. We don't have time to be pacifying. Black people always want to be pacified and coddled and felt That's sorry. True. You know what I mean? You better pull your, pick your head up. The Honorable, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, why Lady Salam already came and told y'all what to eat, how to diet yourself. The Honorable Noble Drew Ali already done came and told you you're not black, you're not Negroes. Mm. Farrakhan don't came. So many don't came. And they tried that strategy of coddling people. Tell them they're beautiful and hold your head up and pick your pants up. <laughs> See, so that's, that stuff over with, man. So for me, yeah, I don't even bother. I don't bother unless I get around some people and I go to talking. And just like Yeshua, uh, Jesus said, Think not that I came to bring peace, but yea, a sword. And that's the sword of truth. Right. And yeah. You, and you got you to gotta swing that sword as fast as you can. <laughs> And if you get hit by it, then, oh, well. So, See, yeah, Brother Ponder, um... well, hold on, Brother uh, Frederick okay, Jones. Go. Go Brother Ponder, how do we take the information that we now know about these uh, so-called Native Americans stealing birthright? How do we approach that? You know, my, the uh, Fly Guy show is all about coming up with solutions through conversations. So, what are your thoughts? And we don't have to have all the answers right now. We may come back, have a part three, four, five. You know, we're going to have our comments come in. But what do you think we can do to make sure that we can prevent? Does it go to the law? No, let me ask this question. What Indian tribes are doing that? And I understand we say Indian for colloquial terms, but what Indian tribes are doing that? And why is it when you ask a so-called black person what Indian tribe they may belong to, they give you only the, the hot top three, which are Cherokee, <laughs> Blackfoot and Creek. You see that? They don't know that those three tribes were paid off by British soldiers to run and capture runaway slaves. Right. They don't right. know that these three tribes are part of the five, what's called the five civilized tribe, the Iroquois Nation, who sold out to European rule. So I think we should focus on the so-called Negro tribes. And I'm saying that to understand what I'm talking about, like the Wampeg tribe and the Yamasee and the Yamacraw and the Gullah and the Geechee and the Arawak. Yeah, well, that's, that's so that'll be resurrect the Yamasee tribe. The Yamasee Moors got recognized in 1995. 
they sat on charters down there in Edison, Georgia. The real, the real deal, Holyfield. Right. So I think we need to go get behind them brothers and sisters who are federally recognized. They, they don't get a whole lot of attention. The Geechee and the Gullah, they're losing their land day by day in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. You know what I mean? So and they're, um, if we serious about it, like the Moors have been preaching and teaching about your nationality and your birthright, we need to first declare our nationality as one nation, whatever that whatever that may be. Whatever that may be. It needs to be only one though. And this is the right. part where you're gonna lose you're gonna lose a lot of people. Cause you can't yeah, save everybody. Because you can't save everybody. And Prophet already told us that. He ain't gonna save but a handful, you have things left over. So once we get that once we get that concept together about not saving everybody. And go after the lesson for ourselves. Understand that the Yamansi tribe, like I said again, is several tribes, the, the dark race tribes, who are already federally recognized, who we can get behind. That's 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 a yeah. thing we should do. You know, really get behind those nations, or just come join the Morris Science Temple. Hey, we, we got land up here in Northern Virginia. Yeah, facts. 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 We got yeah. We got land in Alabama. You, 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 you circle brothers got forty acres down there. Yeah. And just a camel walk, just a camel, um, just a camel walk with the brother Ponder. He's right. Um, sometimes you have to be firm with our people because some of us are a rough bunch. So you got to show them tough love. Yeah. You know, so sometimes it's warranted, but um, for the most part, you you got to be patient with us too. At least that works for me. You know what I mean? So uh, uh, okay. You know, different things work depending on who you're dealing with. But Ponder's right. You know, sometimes you got to be a little bit more assertive, I guess, and convincing. True. But um, true. So, what do we do yeah. for the Creek Freedmen? What do we do specifically for the Creek Freedmen? Hmm. So, for the Creek Freedmen, yes. I mean, they seem to. What do we be- do for the Creek Freedmen? Well, they seem to be on the right path. The one, the Creek Freedmen, one of the one of the links I sent. One is the press conference before the trial, and the other is the outcome of the trial. They seem to be on the verge of winning their case. So I would say their remedy is already on the way. I mean. The law was on trial. The treaty, the uh, Creek Treaty of 1866, is clear. The Creek Freedmen have standing, and it looks like the judge is going to rule in their favor. But the judge ordered the Creek Freedmen to petition the Creek Nation again. Then, if they get denied, they'll bring the matter back before a competent tribunal. So. I mean, I don't know if there's anything that we can say to them that would give them a better remedy than what they already seem to be about to receive. Okay. I mean, okay. Yeah. And all the all the information that we're talking about today, in terms of some of the links, can be found on Black Improvement Blogging. I mean, blackimprovement.blogspot.com. The link is right there in the chat. I'll have it up on the screen as well on blackimprovement.blogspot.com. Um, and, and actually, I just want to, I want to take a hot second and share yeah. that on that site, 
uh, blackimprovement.blogspot.com, you'll find a plethora of information, um, articles, resources that deal with our people. And uh, I've been doing that really since 90, I want to say 95. So it goes back a while. And it's a lot of great articles. And for those of you who are really interested in more science, there's about 10 to 15 articles on there um, that I found back in the 90s and in the early 2000s that are still very intriguing and relevant to what the prophet taught. Continue, good brother. Yeah, so um, one thing that I forgot to mention when you asked, what do we tell the Creek Freedmen or what do we do for them? One thing that we can make them aware of because listening to a lot of them speak, listening to the um, listening to the lawyer that they now have, who's a Creek Freeman himself, they're running with the narrative that they don't have any tie to the land here, but through being ex-freedmen and have some standing with the Creeks, or even ex-slaves of the Creeks is what some will say. They don't look at this land as being their ancestral estate. So one thing that we could let them know is that our culture was always on both sides and that the scholars say that there was two phenotypes here prior to colonization and that's what the that's what they call Africoid and Mongoloid using this the scientific terms so us and them were one and back to what Ponder mentioned when he brought up Ivan Van Sertum's work uh, there's a work parallel to that by an author named Leo Weiner called Africa and the Discovery of America he's a German European so-called white man say the same thing that Ivan Van Sertima said so now they say the same thing that we say and then there's another work by a Dr. David M. Hotep and it's called The First Americans Were Africans and he gets into the whole deal where they're finding remains of people who would be deemed as African and people who would be deemed as coming from Asia. So us and them were together here for generations. And this is the last thing that I'm saying that I'm gonna give somebody else the floor. The, a lot of the Algonquian tribes say that the people, they say that the mounds and the pyramids was here prior to them coming from across the Bering Strait. So they say that they came and civilization was already here. And then their folklore say that the people that built it are people that that come from across across a great body of water. And that's the Atlantic Ocean. So let me tap into that. Our one. Yeah, go ahead. Let me tap into that. I'm going to let Brother Ponder speak. Uh, My wife and I went to Mexico on our honeymoon. So this was 1997. And so when we got on the, you know, we touched down and I love going and visiting and seeing the culture and seeing the people there. And I told my wife, you know, you know, Mexicans are our people as well. And what's interesting is when we started looking at the iconic, you know, the iconography, the pictures, the drawings, you could see very African features in some of their early depictions of early Mexico. So we went to Chichen Itza, and Chichen Itza is where the pyramid is, you know, the pyramids, rather, uh, plural, in Mexico. 
And so the tour guide was talking. And so he said, and we know that these pyramids were built by a group of people who came before the Aztecs. Anybody know who they are? So I raised my hand and he said, yes. Now, the, the rest of the bus was lily white. You know, my wife and I were the only melanated people on there. So they all turned around, some of them smirking like, ah, what are you going to say? And I said, the omics. And he said, absolutely right. And so then he, he gave some more information. And as we were getting off the bus, he said, wait, I want you guys to wait. So everyone else got off the bus. And he came up to my wife and I and said, we know that the omics were African people. That's I will right. show you. I will show you during this tour where you look and you'll see your people. That's exactly what he said to me. And that's exactly what he did to my wife and I. Now, he said, I can't tell anybody else. They won't tip me. We tried to tip him. He's like, nah, we good. <laughs> and it really kind of and that was different because most of the other Mexican brothers and sisters we came into contact with during that time, they were trying to get that moneda. <laughs> you know, so it, it was a little different. But it blew my mind that they knew that. And he was pointing out in some of the icons and the the Maduna Terre, the hieroglyphics that they use. You know, they don't use that term. I'm using our term. Uh, and you, he was pointing that out to me. Um, so it's really intriguing and uh, you mentioned Dr. David Imhotep on this yeah. channel, Black Improvement, our Black Improvement. I have five interviews with Dr. David Imhotep, one about his book, um, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence. Right, right, right. Uh, so, yeah, he's a good brother. He's a friend of the show. We have right. five, so if you want to learn more about it, just keep watching the videos here on our Black Improvement. And I, I did that interview with him five years ago. So it's an old one. It's really short, but it's great. He also has one on our channel called The Dogons. The Dogons Taught Maduna Terre, which is a real intriguing concept about mm. the connection with Dogon iconography and the comedic science. So, Brother Ponder, yes. Brother Ponder, you already said what you thought needs to happen. You already said what you thought needs to happen, how we should approach it. I want to weigh in on that uh, part that y'all were just discussing, right? Because, see, if, if, if you understand about the Baron Straits and ETC, you got to ask who came over on the Baron Straits. And see, Bingo. Um, 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 Pops, call him Pops, uh, <laughs> Imam Issa taught that um, Hoshan. So it's a man by the name of Ho Shen, the Ming right. Dynasty. They was the woolly head Asians. They came over on the Baron right. Street and they amalgamated right. the Olmec, um, leaving the remnants of the Khalifa tribe also out in out in California. And also when the Olmec and and, and the Ho Shen, they tribe had intermingled, amalgamated, that's when you had what's called the Plain Indians who lived out in teepees, so on and so forth. They were buffalo hunters, ETC, and they gave way to what was called the the Toltec, mm. and then the Me the Mextec. You see that? Yes. And then the Incans, and then the Mayans and the Aztecs. Aztecs were, were, were the last civilizations outside the Mayans that ruled those territories, but their lineage goes back to Ho Shen, or what's called the Ming Dynasty, came over on the Baron Straits. And then you always see the Western movies with an Asian man in the picture. Um, <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. 
the most cowboy movie, always one Asian guy in there. You know, they they, they kind of giving giving way to the, the, the Oriental pretext, the Oriental precursor. That's right. That's they, right. They gave way to those ancient ones out in what we call now Mexico and uh, Nevada and those areas. So, uh, I think people need to understand that there were two types, and they always show us the straight hair and the high cheekbones. Those those Indians. They never show you the ones on the East Coast. They never show you right. in the East Coast. And I think that uh, book that just called up uh, did a great job explaining that, along with Ivan Van Sertable. So I, I think people first need to start start with the historicity of it, brother. If they want to protect and preserve anything, they have to understand what they're preserving and, and protecting. Like we just can't tell them what it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not like talking to a block of wood. Um, but these brothers and sisters, they have to want to learn it. Once they want to learn it. That's when everything becomes sacred and secretive, right. and you can preserve it that way. But just teaching somebody straight out, oh, you know, you guys own this land and the Moors and the, and this tribe, that tribe, that tribe, it doesn't hold true to them because they've been told so many times that they're from Africa. And look at Africa yeah. now. You can look at Africa and see, and you can see the culture flourishing. A brother and sister can almost tell you what a Tekken or a pyramid is, but ask them about a totem pole, they look at you crazy. So they're not being taught what a totem pole was. And they're, they're the same. That the Indian chiefs, the different feathers, the different birds in their head, they're not taught that stuff. They're not taught the spirituality of who of who they worship here, uh, a, a Hopi deity, then the sun. They had a sun god over here also. They had a sun god on both, both parts of the land. So, they, so they're not taught as much as they're being taught about our brothers and sisters in Africa. They need to be taught about over and over, just, just drilling their head, you know. And we ain't got to call it Moors. We know exactly. who it is. We understand the empire, but just, just, just teach them. And that, on Facebook right now, my Instagram, but I'm doing that right now. I'm yeah. posting Africoid-looking Native Americans who've been here, always been here, never been anywhere else exactly. but here. You see that? <laughs> it's my favorite part of the movie Roots. I'm gonna say this, leave it alone, but on Roots, there's a part when uh, uh. Kizzy and Toby was older. They was in the room. And uh, Toby yeah. was excited telling mm-hmm. Kizzy, we're going to go back to Africa and be free. And Kizzy said, I ain't from Africa. I'm from right here. And that was a clue. If you what, caught that part, she was like, I'm not from Africa. I'm from right here. Yeah. And Kizzy, I remember the part. She, she had the, uh, we called it the do-rag on turn backwards because they used to wear they used to wear them to the front. The Moabites wore their do-rags to the front and they made them turn it backwards as a disgrace. And that's how we searched it before. You know what? Go ahead. I, I remember that part. I, I remember that part in Roots, and I remember when Roots came out. I lived in Columbus, Ohio, and those uh, there were some brothers who were involved in the Moore Science Temple, and they came and what you just shared. They taught that, and of course, uh, some of the elders. You know, it was an interesting discussion because some of the elders were saying, "Nah, that's not really what she meant," but the the Moors at that time were saying that's what they meant, and it's it's really intriguing that you bring that back up. I'm, you just kind of took me back, brother. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me say this too. Yeah. Um, the brother Ponder brought up the similarities in the culture, like with the whole sun disc with wings, because we know that that was done. And, and cultures on the other side of the Atlantic, and we know that they did it here on this side. You know, birds and hawks having some type of uh, uh, significance as far as nature is concerned. So that was a good portion. And something else the brother mentioned when he brought up, 
the Incas, the Mayans, and the Aztecs being, uh, I guess, the offspring of those that came prior to them. And what's interesting about that is even those civilizations were of a darker age. You don't see them getting lighter until, you know, well into the the like 15th and 16th century. And also, Cortez. speaking of them, yeah, speaking of the Mayans, there's a play on the term Mayan and Mayate. Oh, yeah. right. Interesting. So interesting. So you know where I'm going with that because you know who some Spanish-speaking individuals out on the West Coast, you know what they refer to so-called blacks as. So uh, essentially what they're saying is they're, they're calling you the original because Mayate is, is, is Mayan, essentially. So they know. Mm-hmm. They know the real history. They know the wow. real And uh, yeah. The gotcha. Hey, so we're going to have to continue this build. I, I love the fact that we got two good brothers who are really steeped and heavy with that MST, that Morris Science Temple Science, and we're looking at the Indian problem. So, you know, we kind of gave our thoughts on it in the first chapter, the first episode of the Indian problem. We went into depth about the problem. This time we kind of discussed some of the ways that we can address it and some information that surrounds that problem that happens. Um, And so we want to say salute to the freedmen who are pursuing their birthright. Continue right. pursuing it. Fight for it. Your birthright is yours. Our, our descendants depend upon you winning that fight. Whatever we can do to support you in that fight, let us know. If you want to learn no, more about um, Dr. David M. Hotep, uh, pick up his book. If you can show the picture of the book again, brother. I know yeah, you sure. had the book in your hand. Um, Dr. David M. Hotep's book, I want to put it on the front screen. Yes. The first Americans were Africans. Documented, documented, evidence. documented evidence, right? And as I said earlier, I have some of um, Dr. Imhotep's interviews on the Our Black Improvement Channel. So you'll see him talking with Brother Asar and Brother uh, and, and and Dr. David Imhotep. Those are great videos. I said five years ago; they're actually three years ago. And people weren't aware who Dr. David M. Hotep was when we brought him to the Hampton Roads area. It, it really kind of blows my mind. I'm surprised Ponder wasn't there. Uh, so we got to support our scholars. We have to support our scholars. Dr. Clark was not um, sent off to the ancestor realm the way he should have. Dr. Ben was not sent off to the ancestral realm the way he should have. We have to support our scholars. We do that by buying their books. We do that by buying their videos and supporting good brothers like Brother Frederick Jones L and Brother Ponder. Support them in their activities. Find the information, share the information, wise up, grow up, do better. It's our time right now. Ashe? Uh, last words, Brother Ponder, last words. Um, last words, man. Look, man. All I can do is quote the prophet, keep the prophet out front. The one-on-ones teaches us how did the prophet begin to teach people by teaching them to be themselves. Y'all got to learn out who y'all really are, man. That's my case step back to history. Y'all got to realize that y'all always been here. Always been here. Never was a time you wasn't here. Like I said before, the honorable Elijah Muhammad asked the question, who is the original man? 
And that'll be us. We always been here, fam. This is our planet. Let's not get, you know, so caught up in claiming one piece of land when all the land is ours. Um, and nationality is the order of the day, man. Peace and love. Ashe, Brother Frederick Jones L, last words. Yeah, um, last words. Like my Ken uh, Brother Ponder said, I'm going to quote the prophet as well. Uh, prophet Noble Drew Ali said, if I could only get you thinking again, then you could save yourself. So this is about doing the knowledge to things, researching it, unraveling these mysteries, and just knowing what was done so that we could know how to counter it. The pen is mightier than the sword, and the European put us down with the pen. We wrote us out of history with the pen. So uh, knowledge reigns supreme over nearly everything. So study, study long, study strong, <laughs> and just know that that you you are the secret. Your long lost uh, uh, history and past. And with that, wow. I yield back, dear brother. Yeah. Knowledge reigns supreme over nearly everyone. Knowledge reigns supreme over nearly everyone. We have been here forever. We will be here forever and ever and ever and ever. We will be here forever. Get what I'm saying? Understand it? Oh, I'm sorry. I went in my KL rest. <laughs> <like this. laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Hey, it's I say, good, hey, man. stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Yo, man, great show, bro. Great show. Great. I hope- stay fly, 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 stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests, unless we say we agree, unless explicitly stated. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Stay conscious, stay fly.